everybody have a good week this week? Yeah, good. I got to meet the other pastors on the Apostles Build for the, we had a meeting on, I think that was Monday, um, and I sat next to Jonathan Watson, the Bella Vista Assembly, kind of our parent church, he was there, and uh, met the pastor from Grace Point, and of course I knew uh, the new pastor that stepped in over here at the First Baptist, and uh, anyway, it was a fun time. You get some pastors together that, you know, had a long week, and it gets a little bit silly, but the pastor from Grace Point, they're going around, they'd introduced everybody, but some of them came in a little late, and he leaned over, and he asked where, where I went to church, and I said, Grace Point. He looked at me, and I said, yeah, I've been there on the front row for weeks. I've even filled out the visitor's card. I said, I want to visit with pastor, and you've ignored me. <laughs> he looked at me, and then he realized I was joking. It was, uh, and then it went downhill from there. The poor lady trying to conduct the meeting, I, I was about to probably be set in the, the dunce chair in the, on the side, but it's good to have fun. All right, can we get a little unspiritual for a minute? Is that allowed? Is there anything we're doing in the service? I guess it's not spiritual. Somebody name me a Beatles song. Be, okay, if I forgot to add, if you, if you name one, you have to sing an excerpt of it. Did you catch that, Vincent? He, he was getting instruction. All right, you have to actually sing a little excerpt of it if you name it. Is there more to it? You sang the title. You sang the title. Okay. Uh, all right. Anybody else think of a Beatles song? Yellow Serene? Is that Beatles? I don't know. I used to, as a kid, I got mixed up with the monkeys. I know that's far different, but hey, hey, we're the monkeys. People say we monkey around. But we're just something, something. What about uh, Hey Jude? Hate you. Yesterday, I'm not sure if I know the, if it's a version I'm thinking of. Yesterday, I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your. Yeah. See now you know why I'm not on the worship team. There's no, there's no American Idol and the Golden Buzzer happening here. Um, yeah. How about an old Elvis song? You know, I was an odd teenager when I was in junior high because my parents wouldn't let me listen to anything but the Christian music, and I, I got bored with some of what was available at that time and I started collecting Elvis cassette tapes yeah. um, Nathan little Nathan you know what a cassette tape is okay <laughs> I didn't want you to get lost here for a minute eight track what if I say eight track you know what that is yeah what's that little thing you twist up and the <laughs> all right uh, what about an Elvis song anybody yeah yeah police weight shoes jailhouse rock yeah, wise men say only fools. Okay, but I. Well, there's there's a lot of famous songs that uh, it's amazing. You know, as spiritual as we are, I just know y'all are so spiritual. I'm just a little bit surprised that we know these heathen songs like that, right? <laughs> How is that? They're, they're kind of catchy, aren't they? Um, Nathan, we have those uh, little clips or those queued up. Uh, let me catch this front light here. And uh, see if you recognize any of this. Nathan, I'll explain if you don't catch some of these. Some of them are old, okay? your youngsters a lot of pleasure with Kool-Aid. You know it's pure and good. It has the Parents Magazine seal. And it's so thrifty. A five-cent package makes two full quarts. Just add Kool-Aid to water with ice. Add some sugar and stir. For the very best drink you ever made. Be sure that the envelope says Kool-Aid. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I like to teach the world to sing. Sing with me. Perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. I like to 
McDonald's Big Mac, it's more than just another hamburger. There are two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, and onions on a sesame seed bun. Seven great ingredients working together to make one great taste. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, cheese, lettuce, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Get the idea? Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. It's your McDonald's Big Mac. You've got to taste it to believe it, you know what I mean? Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. Two all-beef patties... Let me say a few words about McDonald's Big Mac. It's a, it's, it's... Two whole beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. Two whole... Well, what, what was that word again? Two whole beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. Lettuce, che cheese, pickles, onions, lettuce, uh, cheese, pickles, and... Oh, what am I saying? You deserve a break today at McDonald's. Where your dollar gets a break every day. That's the sermon for tonight. <laughs> How many recognize all those? They kind of blast from the past. Okay, so what's on a Big Mac? Okay, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Yeah, so so here, here's the thing. we Music often carries a message to our lives. We know that. The jingles, that's why they do them. You put a song with a product, and you're going to remember that. Uh, you know, even if it's not music, just putting something like that that carries like a uh, milk chocolate candy melts in your mouth, not in your hands, right? But Mary, uh, music can really carry a message of love. For example, how many of you, when you're dating, had a song that was your song? Anybody want to be brave? What was your song? Nobody, when you're dating, didn't have a song? Oh, man. See, when you're a Christian dating, you had to have, they, they had special Christian songs that really to Jesus, but they sounded like they're to your girlfriend. And so you could kind of play it off, send them the tape. You know the, the mixtape, right? You ever make the mixtape? Send it to her, had all the, the songs? No? All right, I guess, I'm, I guess that's why I stayed single so long. Um, you know, uh, when a couple's in love, they often speak of a particular song as being our song because it triggers memories of intimacy and, and affection that they shared from the beginning. Um, I sang my wife at our wedding, even though I can't really sing. But there was a song that was special to us by um, um, Jim. Jim, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to stop there because I just forgot his name now. But it's a Christian song. But anyway, I surprised her with that. And it was very, I was very nervous. That was, uh, that was scary. But songs written back in the 60s had special messages as well. Do you remember uh, what the underlying theme of music back in the 60s was? What was the underlying theme of the mu music in the 60s? Protest. Protest. Peace and all. Is anybody cold, by the way? I'm sorry to just, anybody cold? Okay. Um, Annie or someone close to that one, if you just look up there and on the left-hand side push it to off, it'll stay cool enough. It was getting warm at the beginning. But it was protest. Protesting war, authority, sign, sign everywhere, sign, right? Um, that was about, you know, uh, why, why can't we go on people's property? You know, no trespassing signs. And, and who gives you the right, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, they pr protest against anyone telling them what to do and where to go. It was the rebellion, right? And then there's music that communicates anger, rage, defiance. I mentioned that the Christian music I, I qualify as screamo. It just sounds angry to me, and I can't really get into that. It makes me feel like, are you supposed to punch somebody in the love of Jesus after it or something? It's just, it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, my dad was a strong disciplinarian, and uh, he had that kind of tone when he was getting on you. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to music like that. It makes me think I'm in trouble the whole time. But there, there's music like heavy metal and rap. I'm not talking about Christian music. They communicate strong words. Uh, often it's protest. There's a, 
underlying uh, part of it that's protest. And music also communicates to us. Um, in fact, music's ability to communicate is so powerful that even the military recognizes its importance. There has uh, been music that's been used for psychological warfare. Um, uh, believe it or not, the Pentagon School of Music, it takes 15 months of instruction to produce one band leader. 15 months of instruction. And then the Air Force takes 13 months to train a jet pilot. So it actually takes you longer to become a band leader, uh, depending on school music, than to uh, be a jet pilot. But music has power. Power to communicate, uh, to inspire, to change. I remember uh, reading, the, uh, according to Don Campbell, he was the founder of the Institute of Music, Health, and Education. Um, Don says music can communicate to us even when we're not influenced by the words of a song. In other words, even if it's not a song you like. There's certain things, if I sung it right now, you'd be mad at me because it'd be stuck in your head all week. I've got a whole little, I've got a little arsenal of those songs that nobody wants to get stuck in their head. Kids, they're, they're coming up with them new ones. Anybody heard the gummy bear song? I am a gummy bear, and then a gummy bear, gummy, gummy. See, the kids are getting their ears covered up no, back there because it, it gets stuck and you hear that and you're like, oh, good grief. But it still will influence you. It can cause aggravation. Um, Strong feelings of wanting to smash uh, your radio or the thing that it's coming out of. But he also says music impacts uh, uh, physiology on a deep, basic level. The human heartbeat is especially attuned to sound. Changes in tempo and volume act as natural uh, as pacemakers. It's, it's said that if two people were to huddle close together long enough that the heartbeats would actually uh, eventually become in tune. That the longer you're, 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 you're around each other that your bodies will come in sync even in your heartbeat. Um, or it can be, uh, it can energize brain waves, uh, uh, quickening and thinking. In some of the serious illnesses they'll recommend playing music as a therapy. Um, so even the cells of your body respond to music. And a study at MSU found that just 15 minutes of listening to music could increase levels of immune chemicals vital to protect against disease. Music is actually preventative to diseases. By contrast, the release of cortisol, the stress hormone, dropped by up to 25%. Now, I'd really try not to use my wife as an example in the message because I get in trouble, especially she's not in here. But sometimes it's worth it because it has, you know, it's true and there's a point. But my wife has always been a calm, gentle person. Um, she has no enemies. You know, she's always just been, that's what I love about her memory. Until I found out when you marry her, all that comes out to the person, you know, that you marry. That she saves all that for, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But she, she, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's like, you better walk, be careful. Yeah, we'll go to the marriage conference. No, but and honestly, Jen and I are wired so different when it comes to stressors. For me, I've always, you know, music will lift me up, and I'll listen to music. I'll turn up loud, and I can literally just drown out some tr- troubles. You know, it seems like they can just, for a moment, just get relief from that. Her, she wants to go off to a quiet place, no music, no sound. That's annoying to her. And I'm, I, I start out trying to change where Mary is like, you know what you need? When you get upset with me, you need to listen to music. I need to play music for you, which is not. She's like, I just need to be left alone. When we designed and built our house, if you're at our house, you'll notice there's a little uh, side deck off of the kitchen that's just like, why did you put this little tiny deck there? That's Jen's spot. I never go on that deck. It's right off the kitchen. That's where she can go to kind of be like, I've had enough. I need a little space. But what all this tells us, it tells us that music is a powerful force. It communicates a message to our lives. It communicates messages to our hearts. And so uh, in, uh, to our minds and even the very cells of our body. Uh, here in Colossians chapter 3, God tells us that we need to use the power of music. In the King, uh, New King James Version, we read, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Colossians three fifteen through 16. God wants us to use music as a tool to strengthen ourselves and encourage others. 
It's a strong ministry tool, not just in worship, but in your private time. To be able to turn on some worship music. To go down the road on the way to work knowing you're going to be facing a long, stressful day uh, and to be able to spend that time uh, with praises to the Lord. How can music specifically help us as Christians? Well, the first, uh, first of which is music can change our attitudes. It can literally change our attitudes. In the Old Testament, we're told that in the latter years of the, uh, of the reign of King Saul, uh, he turned away from God, and so God left Saul uh, and an evil spirit moved in after God's spirit left him. And though then the result was that King Saul was driven nearly to the point of madness. He was acting erratically and, and literally uh, to the point of madness. And then one of his counselors told him that he knew of a young man who was singing, uh, that the singing might just help relieve his burden. You know the story, I'm sure. And that's how David came to sing in King Saul's courts. The music uh, that, that David was to play play the harp, to play, to play the music was to soothe the king. And so we're told that when David would take his harp and play, then relief would come to Saul and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. And, and it says that in 1 Samuel 16, 23. So music changes our attitudes. It has a power to make us uh, either melancholy or moody. There's a story of a student that was attending Purdue University and uh, this uh, Judging by some of the details of the story, it must have been some time back. But this student was enjoying the independence of college life and, and kind of feeling his oats and, and feeling like he just wanted to live his life how he wanted to live it. And, uh, you know, now he is free of home and all those guidelines. And, and uh, he found himself, you know, he had, he had spent his days uh, doing certain things and just kind of doing what he enjoyed when he didn't have to be in school. But he started getting depressed. And he started getting so depressed that at one point he almost took his life. He contemplated suicide. And at that moment of almost ending his life, it shook him up so much. He thought, what, what could have got me to this point? I mean, what in my life got me to the point of being someone who's happy, had everything in front of me, going to college, and then to take his life? And so he began, you know, he had gotten before where he wouldn't even shave or clean himself up. He just got so depressed. And so he began with just taking care of basic hygiene and those things. And he realized those were more byproducts of the depression, not that they created it. And he just kept trying to figure out, what is it? What is it that made me that depressed? And at one day, he turned on some music he'd been listening to consistently, and some feelings came back that he hadn't felt since he'd been depressed. And after three months of seriously begin uh, to, to try to figure out what was got him there, he realized that his favorite group, Simon and Garfunkel, he had never really paid attention to the words that he was soaking up. But he would listen to them for hours and hours. But as he examined the messages of their songs, he discovered a pattern of despair and hopelessness. That literally they were singing him into depression. One of the songs uh, uh, compared man's life to that of a rat in a maze, never getting out of a maze. Another declared, I'm a rock and I am an island. I touch no one and no one touches me. I, songs of isolation. He realized he needed to remove that influence from his life, and he got rid of that. And this man actually became a pastor later, but, and God did great things in his life. But he, he, he realized the power of that music had literally taken his life and turned it around from simply listening and absorbing that music and taking that in. By contrast, when I was in Bible college, I began running from the Lord after I just got out of Bible college, actually. Um, I left, went in the Navy, ran from the Lord then, came back, uh, you know, really just wanted to finish school, finish what I started, and I still didn't have my heart quite right. And so staying in Springfield and being free, I was running. And uh, I, I started trying to do handyman service. I'd never done anything like that, and uh, just odd and ends. Uh, and uh, I got to bid a job at a Christian-owned high-end furniture place in an old building in, in downtown Springfield. And it, it was owned by um, a family that went to uh, James River Assembly. And... Uh, they would, in the mornings before they opened, they'd start cranking up the music, and it was back when Hillsong was fairly new. You know, I hadn't really heard of Hillsong. And those worship uh, songs would just be playing, and there'd be such a sweet atmosphere. And I had, my heart was so hardened, and it was jaded, and I'd walk in, and I'd be trying to function and talk to people without letting them know what that was doing to me, and I didn't find to go find a place to go cry 
and, and kind of the Lord was all over it, you know, and the Holy Spirit. And they knew what they're doing. I'm sure they were in there and they see me coming. They probably went back to the music and was like, all right, you know. <laughs> um, because the owner would call me in his office every once in a while and he just kept wanting to uh, get me to open up. But, but it's very powerful. Uh, that was instrumental. That, there's really, I can point back and there's certain things that led me back to Christ, but I know that was really the start of it because I realized my heart was still tender to the Lord. And so Ephesians 5, 19 through 20, it speaks of ways that we can be filled with the Spirit. And it says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And at my lowest times of life, when I'm, I was hurting or I've hurt others, and I've, I've been ashamed of myself, and there's times when I feel like I'm so low, uh, the music that sometimes the, the music that the, the Lord had put in my path would raise me up out of that. It brings me to my second point. Music all, not only changes our attitudes, changes me. Music can give me the power to take control, control of my circumstances. Or not only we don't control our circumstances, they control us. You think about when they marched around the walls of Jericho and they were to shout out, you know, and they had the musical instruments. And we can look through Scripture and you see that that was always a, a vital part. We know in heaven when it talks, talks about the singing of the holy, holy, holy consistently. And so music is as much spiritual and has spiritual application. But, you know, ordinarily we don't control our circumstances. We're either serving the Lord or we're serving the devil. And, 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 and the, if the devil is in control of our life, uh, then we're getting pulled along. So we don't ordinarily control our circumstances. They control us. But life can get us down. People can be cruel. Situations can be tough. And we end up being imprisoned by our circumstances. But we don't have to be. I really believe this. I can't tell you that in Scripture I can point to, to certain Scriptures and say this is absolute truth. But I attribute a good portion of my spiritual maturity, my maturing in the Lord, to music. Christian music and worship. Because there would be something in there, especially when it's based off of Scripture, that I hear a truth, and I begin thinking about it, and I begin reading the Word, and I realize what that song and the impact and why, and I look back to what was going on in my life, I was like, that's why those words were hitting me so hard. I mean, it was literally like a sermon in song to my heart for my current situation. And it would, it would move me on and educate me in the ways of the Lord. In Acts 16, we read that Paul and Silas were in uh, the city of Philippi. I preached on this not long ago, so I'm not going to go through the whole story in detail, but they're preaching, and uh, if you remember, uh, cast out demons. You remember the girl that was following them, the lady that was following them, and there would be men that were making money off of her being demon-possessed. And she's mocking them and uh, basically, you know, men of God and men of God. And, and Paul had enough to around him. He's like, I'll fix this. Cast the demon out. Well, the money-making machine was broke, right? And so uh, angered people. And I think from the text we can see that that's probably what led to them to be in prison. And so the town magistrate had them beaten with rods, thrown into the inner parts of the prison, placed in stocks, you know, the stocks where your head and your hands are through and... Um, uh, and yet, Acts 15, I'm sorry, Acts 16, 25 through 26 tells us that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Uh, Lynn and I were having a conversation, if I can, about the shofar, right? And we're talking about it. I've been in services as a kid when sometimes, you know, it's appropriate and in different church cultures, that's brought out. It's very powerful. The shofar, uh, generally ram's horn, right? Ram's horn. Uh, uh, it was used in biblical times, a call to uh, worship, and so uh, it's blown. And uh, I told her, I said, I can't remember what point in my life. And Jen says it's not since we've been married, so that would be more than 12 years. But I remember being in a very public place. It might have been Springfield. Ran into a guy wearing some kind of Jewish, you know, uh, attire, and he's carrying that horn. And I thought, oh, goodness, is this a Satan worshiper? You know, I'm just always thinking Ram's horn, you know. And, uh, but I knew, I recognized there's something that was not, you know, evil about him, but he, he being talking, there's just something very interesting about this this guy, and and uh, he was out there to tell people about Jesus. He's a messianic Jew, and and uh, but he said, "Hey, I want to show you something." And there's people talking, and there was cars going by, and there was enough noise. That if you stop and close your eyes, you heard a lot of clatter and noise. And he pulled that horn up, and he blew that thing. It was like a boop, boop, 
I don't know. I remember we talked about there's certain things, I guess, uh, very scripturally, they blow in a certain state. And I'm telling you, people are out there, you know, who knows? There are probably drug deals going on in one corner. <laughs> I mean, everybody just, you knew there went a bunch of believers out there, and it just got dead silent, and people turned around. It just, it was like something just fell, you know, at that point. And, and even the cars are going by. All of a sudden, I was like, I don't even hear it. You didn't hear anything. And I said, do it again. He said, no, I only did it once. I, I never understood. He said, no, I only did it once. But it was really a, a cool experience. But, but there's a, such power in music. God has done something uh, very ornate and, and very intentional in, in, in uh, creating music. So Paul and Silas are singing, and we know the story, the, the, the prison's shaking, and they're, they're freed, and the, and the prison guard's going to take his life because he knows he's in trouble now. I mean, he's going to get rushed by, by prisoners, right? And they tell him no, and then people get saved, and they get uh, let out. But, but the interesting thing here is, you know, when New Song was, was formed, and I try not to talk too much about Pastor Jim because many of you never met him, and I don't want you to give the idea that we're so stuck on the past here. Uh, but there's some very vital, important details to how New Song got started. And Pastor Jim had been an excellent musician his whole, his whole life almost. Now, he claims he couldn't sing a tune in a bucket in his teen years, and he so had a passion to sing that he kept singing to the radio and everything until his voice developed. But he had an incredible voice. He'd travel with groups. Uh, Marty from For Him, they were both really good friends, and they had played in groups together before For Him, the Christian group For Him formed. So uh, Pastor Jim was very accomplished, played guitar, uh, played piano, uh, him and Lynn, uh, very, very good. Um, but it's a weird thing. He, he had grown up in uh, Pentecostal churches. He actually started preaching at 16 at a little Pentecostal church in Springtown, about a mile from where I live. And, um, you know, uh, music was always part of the churches we're in. And uh, when he started a new song, he told me that the Lord had really put on his heart that this would always be a place of corporate worship. And what does that mean? Corporate worship. Well, when I grew up in, in church, every once in a while you'd have the special singings, right? You'd have the special songs, and people would get up and they'd do a special song. And, you know, I, I never really thought about it, but in Pastor Jim's experience, he just felt like that was not what God wanted for new song, that we would always just worship together. And so uh, when he passed away, uh, a guy called from another church, said the Lord had given him a special song for new song. Now, we didn't have a senior pastor, and I wasn't even on the church board. We didn't have a church board, really. The, the District of Assemblies God was our board. And this was a precarious situation. I called Lynn. I said, Lynn, what I do? This guy says he has a song from the Lord for a new song. He wants to come up and sing a special. And she said, CJ, that was just very clear from the Lord at the beginning that when we worship, we worship all together, that, we, that we, our voices are, are together, and, and that we don't, we don't do that. So I had to call this guy. And, uh, recently, we had a, a singing group that wanted to come and now, do I go to a Christian concert? Yeah. Do I have a problem with special music? No. When I go visit Bella Vista on my, uh, when we have vacation or whatever, they do special worship there. I love that church and, and uh, special music, and I, I'm blessed by it. But, you know, there's something about when God has ordained or has set in motion something for the church uh, around music, it's powerful. It, it's very powerful. And so... Um, you know, in that instance, Pastor Jim was one that he could have gone up and he could have uh, he could have blessed us with him just singing and playing. Everybody just they're enjoying it. But something God had put in his heart for that. And so uh, Paul and Silas are are singing out and these prisoners are listening. And, and God uses that moment of, I guess you'd say, special, special songs. It was not really corporate. There's two of them. But they were singing in these special songs. And so God shows up His spirit shows up in a powerful way. We are actively putting ourselves into the very presence of God when we sing unto him. We're actively putting ourselves into the very presence of God when we sing to him. And God literally lifts us up and changes us both, uh, 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 changes us and our circumstances. Paul and Silas' circumstance changed from in prison, had been beaten, were treated like criminals, to uh, they're all afraid of them, like get out of our city. <laughs> We're afraid of what's going to happen if we keep hold of you. The third, something even more powerful than this can take place when we sing, but the singing gives us a tool to teach and witness with. Singing gives us a tool to teach and witness with. 
I remember when I was at Walmart, and here I am, I'm 6'1", and in the last some decade or so, I've not really been skinny too often, you know, so I'm a, a big guy, people don't miss me, but I'd be singing so much on the way to work, I would kind of forget that I'm walking into work, and I'd still be singing that worship song when I'm going to my desk, and people are like, man, like, what do you have for breakfast, you know, <laughs> what are you eating that, that makes your, I hate my mornings, why are you so happy in the morning, and uh, I just tell them, say, you know, I just wake up and there's a song in my heart. And I say, you know, the Lord puts a song in my heart. And I wake up and then I try to find it on YouTube's great. Because now instead of waiting for your song to come up on the radio that you have in your heart, I put on YouTube and plug it into the stereo in the car. And, and I've got that worship song being sung better than I can sing it. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. One of the most overlooked aspects of Paul and Silas' experience in prison was that they were praying and singing hymns. I've heard this text preached on so many times, and that's glanced over. Because the supernatural thing, right, is that the doors open, right? The gates open, and God shows up, and he rescues them. It's a story of rescue, right, for God's people when they're being faithful and, and, and people coming to salvation. But, but there's a powerful part of that story that's not to be missed, that in their moment of their worst despair... They sang out from the depths of their heart to the Lord. And some of us here tonight, some of you may uh, uh, be, like I said, uh, she'd probably hear me, but Jen, she doesn't, I'm not saying she doesn't sing to the Lord. She obviously sings on the worship team. I'm not saying that she doesn't enjoy worship music. When I have it on, she'll enjoy it. Um, not everybody in every moment that, that blesses them, but some of us have started dry up maybe spiritually. And we're like, what's going on? We're, we're, we're in the Word, but it just feels like we're, we're not, we don't have the joy in it. We're not, we're not really getting joy out of that. And there's a component of worship that brings joy in our life. There's a component of, of music that, that when it's godly music, it brings joy to our life. Here these two had been beaten mercilessly, like I said, placed in the deepest, darkest place. And worship is what lightened their situation what brought joy and hope. As far as the other prisoners were concerned, these men would have been expected to howl in protest, to curse in rage, or suffer in silence, but these men were crazy. They were singing praises to God. You thought this was a church service, not a dungeon cell. You know, I found in doing jail ministry, I'm quite honestly, sadly, many times, uh, it might be the jailers who are being more unchristlike than the prisoners. These guys who have got themselves in trouble in there. But I've been in those times when those guys are, are worshiping the Lord in the jail cell. And, uh, and they tell me, say, Pastor CJ, it's just so hard to keep joy here because you're just, it's like we're just always being berated and talked down to. So, so that worship would lift them up out of that, out of that atmosphere. The, the ground shook beneath Paul and Silas when this happened. There is a powerful shaking of the jails. Uh, singing is a powerful tool for witnessing. There's a true story of a young boy in, in India who had been to a missionary school near his home. And uh, among other things, he received food and a place to sleep, and he spent time in, in the children's classes. And one day, as the boy was walking down the street, he was loudly singing one of the songs he'd heard at the mission. And um, as he did that, uh, he was singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And other children heard him and they asked to sing the whole song, song uh, with him. And when they did so, they asked him who this Jesus was and what this book was called, uh, this book he's calling the Bible, what it was. And the boy told him he didn't know, but he took the whole group back to the mission where they heard the story for themselves. I don't know, I heard the song and I like it and I'm singing it. And they're like, we got to know what this is. So he takes them all back to the mission. And many of them became Christians because one little boy witnessed to them in song when he didn't even know the Lord yet himself. It was a song that he didn't even understand the words of. So it's a powerful tool. It changes us. It, it changes our circumstances. It, it changes our attitudes. It's, it's something that well, will rescue us out of a situation, lifts us up. But there are people who don't like to sing. And they've 
come to believe that their singing is an embarrassment. They find themselves identifying with the three-year-old who's saying, I love you, Lord, and I lift up my noise. Supposed to be lift up my hands. But you know, I know that was the heart and what Pastor Jim was looking for. It wasn't anything against uh, special songs or special music. And, you know, uh, Jim and I met at a church at the time. They had a huge choir. They don't anymore. And they'd have special music, and it blessed us. But, but what we want to drive a new song is that we're all going together in this journey. And, and we worship the Lord together. And, and you know, I honestly, in some of the churches I've been before, you have to be careful because some of that can become performance, not praise. What was that? Um, this is before Ken became a worship pastor. We went to a worship conference, and I went with our current worship leader. And um, if I said the name of the guy that was um, Klaus, Klaus or something like that, he's a pretty well-known worship leader now, but has albums out. But he said... The difference between performance and praise is the posture of the heart. The difference between performance and praise is the posture of the heart. In other words, it doesn't really matter what format in which we do our worship and song. It doesn't really matter what style or what, whether it's hymns or not hymns or mixture or not. It's all in the posture of the heart. And that's why I keep, I keep stressing over and over that when we dig in and we come with anticipation and we have a hunger to be in the presence of God and we worship in spirit and truth, then it won't matter whether we have hymn books in the back of the pew or not. So many of us, when we think about revival, we, we remember something good that happened in our past, back in the day when we saw things happening that God was doing, and we think somehow that it's got to be just like that now. And so when we talk about revival, people get excited thinking, okay, we're going to have this and this and this that I experienced before. And we put God in a box that maybe he's going to do something new. You know, back when some of those revivals happened, it didn't necessarily happen like it happened before. I mentioned the Welsh revival. That was pretty odd. You remember me telling a story, if you're here for it, where they had uh, is mining towns and they trained the donkeys to, uh, by commands, by curse words. All the miners cursed. So the donkeys understood curse words for the commands. And when the revival happened, these miners got saved. And they had to close the mines down because the donkeys wouldn't, they wouldn't cuss. And so they couldn't get the donkeys to work. They couldn't retrain them. You know, so, so, you know, there's not this fit thing that we're just like, if, if God would show up, this is what it looks like. Melinda and I were also talking that uh, she said, I think I saw you about to bust loose and run around the sanctuary last Sunday. I said, yes, if I hadn't had shoes that tied and, and I could have got my shoes off because I was afraid I would trip, but I was like, I was about to take off running. And that's, I'm going to say the words I tell you not to say. That's not me. I've told this church many times, be careful, don't say that's not me. Because what you're saying is, God, I'm not going to let you do what you want to do. I'm only going to let you do what I feel like I will do or what I'm comfortable doing. I hear people say, I'm not a reactionary person. So you won't see me raise my hands. And, and we've got all these pre, predispositions, these pre-qualifiers. But listen, I don't want to run around here and accidentally run over somebody and hurt them. And, and those things go through my mind, right? And I'm a big guy. It might look a little funny if all of a sudden I take off running around. And I don't think that because Pentecostal churches that's happened, that that's what I've got to do when the Spirit moves on me. I just am telling you honestly, that is the first thing that comes to my mind uh, when, when I get to a certain point, and that's what I feel like doing, but I still am reserved in some areas where I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. I, I, so I'm with you in this. What I'm saying is we are corporately on this path uh, of exploring how music, how God has designed music to move us and to bring us into closer relationship with him. And it all comes down to obedience. Simple as that. We're either the unruly child or we're the one willing to be taught something. Now, I'm not trying to step on your toes because nobody wants to think of themselves as being unruly with God because we've all conquered those real bad stuff, right? We're sitting here now and, and we don't have some big dark secret telling we think we're good, but, but we're pushing back when the Holy Spirit's getting on us. And we're being an unruly child. God's saying, you know what? You're so down about that loved one that won't come to Christ, or you got drama in your family, or you got drama at work, and you keep praying and asking me to help you with that. And when the worship happens, I'm trying to give you a release so that you can take those burdens and cast them down at the cross. And I'm trying to get you to release them, and that's the way I'm going to get you to release them, but you keep pushing back. 
you keep taking the answer to your prayer and saying, not for me. Now, I know we started a series recently. I talked about wild worship. And you're like, do you not have anything else to preach on, Pastor CJ? Did you run out of topics for your, for your series? And so now you're just going back to worship? No, because there's a little difference to this. We hit on worship when we're together. But this is something that is a lifestyle in serving Christ. This is your, your, in your prayer time when you burst out in song. Now, this is leading your family. And, you know, I, I kind of shocked my family recently. I don't know if I need more sleep or if the Holy Spirit's really moving on me at times or I'm just because I'm nutty, but we're sitting getting ready to, to eat, and I just started clapping. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Kids are looking at me like, what? supposed to just say thank you for this food bless your body and let's eat dad and uh so everybody just broke loose they're looking at me like well that's what dad's doing so we're all just woo, <laughs> clapping you know and, and they looked at me like i'm trying to be silly i was like no i just felt like we should praise the lord we don't have it all together we've, we've got our issues in our family and i've i've got the stresses um if you would had to been a mouse in the back of this church the other night after i got back from the minister's meeting in springdale and I had to deliver some, some uh, strong words. I come to Jesus meeting with boys, you know. I struggle like any other parent, like any other father, like any other husband to lead my family to be godly. And I tell them, I'm not telling you this because you're a pastor's son. It wouldn't matter if dad's still back at Walmart. This stuff is good for you. It's good for your soul because it's in the word of God and we do it because we are believers and lovers of Jesus, not because I'm a pastor. And it's good for you, whether you work in the, in the marketplace, whether you work on the construction site, no matter where you work, what you do, if you're retired, this is good for your soul. This is medicine. Music is medicine for the soul. I know another story I read about from a book, The Psalms of the Heart, George Sweeting, illustrated a Great truth from experience of two Moody Bible Institute graduates, John and Elaine Beekman. God called them to do missionary work among the, the, the coal Indians of south, southern Mexico. And, and Sweeting reported that they rode mules and traveled uh, by, by dugout canoes and reached this tribe that they were trying to reach. And uh, they labored 25 years with other missionaries to translate the New Testament into the language of this Indian tribe. And... Today, this church is thriving with more than 12,000 Christians and in this community, and it's financially self-supporting. All this stuff is great. But what's interesting is when the missionaries came, the coal Indians didn't know how to sing. They didn't have that in their culture. And with the coming of the gospel, however, the believers in the tribe became known as the singers. They actually became great singers, and so... Uh, they love to sing now, and Sweeting uh, commented that because they have something to sing about, uh, they can now sing, but they didn't have anything to sing about before. You know, when music is left to, for the devil to use it, it will be about protest. It will be depressing. When you can play a country song backwards, what do you get, right? You get your wife back, your car back, your dog back, your loose change, whatever. You get it all back. Who needs to play the lottery? Just plays country songs backwards and everybody, everybody gets uh, plenty. I have to tell you that one of the best illustrations I could have for tonight would be Sunday night for our young adults and, and teens. You know, I've told you that we're doing this thing Sunday nights where we're inviting 16 or less people out the house. Um, I don't think we really realized how many youth we actually did have with newer families. And so we had more like 25 with young adults and youth we had about 12 uh, teenagers and uh, we were even missing one or two and Belinda came poor Belinda, Belinda comes and she's like hey would you mind uh, working in us to worship and she plays two services Sunday she plays Sunday night Tuesday night for the ladies meeting she plays tonight right but she begins to play after we'd done some name games and we'd had hot dogs on a bonfire and it's all good and, and, and she just asked them to stand and here, most of these teens, a lot of them didn't know each other. They wouldn't know each other's names. We had to help them get to know his names. But they all stood there and worshiped and worshiped and sang out. And just a sweet spirit, the Holy Spirit just fell. And Mitch was there, right? Mitch can attest. It was just a beautiful thing. It blessed our home. It blessed us. And, and, and I just told Jen, the last person that left, I turned around and told my wife, I was like, this is what we signed up for. 
all the other struggles, all the other frustrations, when, when, when people get frustrated at me, all those things that you work through as a pastor, but that right there, that's what we sign up for. That will carry me through. I used to watch Johnny Carson when my parents didn't know when I was a kid. I loved when he put the big silly hat on and acted like he was reading what was in the envelope, and he did kind of a lot of funny things. But um, there's one uh, in the closing segment for one of his uh, previous shows. He said that it caught him off guard at the time, and it actually moved him. But he had Oral Hersh Hershey. Uh, I'm trying to pronounce his name. Oral Hershier. Hershizer. That doesn't look like how it's spelled, but anyway, Hershizer. He knows the ball players, but the L.A. Dodgers, he uh, was on with the L.A. Dodgers, and uh, they had a victory at the World Series, and so Carson asked him uh, what calmed his nerves between the innings because it was a nail-biter, I guess, and uh, Hershinger, Hershinger, whatever his name is, responded that he sang songs. And here's the interesting thing. This is what caught Johnny Carson off guard because he asked him what song he sang. And he said... Um, and asked him if he'd sing it. And they closed that anniversary special on Johnny Carson with a simple doxology. And it goes, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him, all ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The question this evening is not whether you can sing, but if you don't belong to Jesus, you don't have the reason to sing. And if you're losing connection with Jesus, you lose your reason to sing. I, I believe one of the things that's going to be very instrumental for our body of believers in walking life together is for us to continue to nurture the joy of the Lord in each other. And I believe sharing spiritual songs. I, I mentioned that one of the things I'd like to, to do with this Sunday night group that's getting together, the adults, is begin to start getting people exchange phone numbers and say, well, you just commit to one time calling them and praying with them over the phone. It's powerful. When you get in to doing prayer and worship and singing together and those things, people grow closer to God and closer together. One of these days, I'll get to do a lot of expository sermons and we'll pick apart verses and all that. But I just feel like God just keeps pushing me. We've got to get this down, folks. Our culture is changing rapidly. Uh, I, I just I was sent a survey that pastors were getting on... on uh, how do you see ministry in 10 years? Is it going to be all small groups or is it going to be large churches or small churches or will pastors be bivocational to support themselves or will they still be full-time and all this stuff. And, and I'm not knocking that they send it out. And I'm not knocking what they were trying to do, but I, I just, I read that and I thought, you know, how can any pastor really answer that? My, my answer is really, they need a, a thing on everyone that says, it depends, it depends, it depends. When I got the comment section, I said, just to sum it up, I said, you know, all of that flows out of whether we are praying fervently, we're fasting, we're getting in the presence of God, we're learning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and respond to it. And then all the trends and the church trends and all that happens, then God's driving it through us. And I have a feeling if you ask God, what's the church going to be like in 10 years, I think you'd say, it depends on you. It depends on you. The church today has changed greatly from the 80s. The 80s to the 90s, we lost a lot of the youth. We're losing youth now again. Not just from whether this church, but they're saying statistics are. There's a great number that don't return. When they leave for college, they don't return to the church. What would they do it for? People are dried up. There's no joy in it. There's no power in it. And so this, this may seem silly. You know, we watch some little funny uh, commercials. But those songs stuck in your head, right? How, how long has it been since you saw that WAP or that Big Mac commercial? How long has it been since you saw that particular Toys R Us commercial? How long has it been since they've actually been using that? I don't even know if they use that jingle anymore. We remember it. If we, if we entertain, well, I'm not saying entertain ourselves, but we put as much effort into spiritual songs and hymns and songs and absorbing that as we do and remembering little jingles, from commercials when you have that moment and the devil's trying to break your family apart and God brings that that song 
that song that comes straight from Scripture and it begins to minister to your heart and it changes your attitude towards your spouse or your kids and it changes the situation. I think we'll see as a church that we cannot ignore the power of having a song in our heart. So I just challenge you, to, tomorrow when you get ready to go to work or whatever you're doing, you make, you make worship and singing out to the Lord a part of your morning. See what God does with that. If you don't already, do that tomorrow morning. Just te- test it and see what happens with your day. Do it consistently for a week. See what happens to your week. God will literally change your attitude, your situation, through just simple songs and, and worship to him. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, your word who can, that continually guides us, directs us. Lord, the scripture says that it's all good for teaching and correcting and, and Lord, for reproof. And Lord, we need that discipline in our walk with you because God left alone. We become unruly children. We become defiant to what you're trying to do. Lord, our songs become songs of protest more than they do worship. God, we, we hear, uh, I, I bow my knees to you, and then we, we stand in defiance, God. Um, it would be better for us sometimes not seeing the words than to defy doing them. I raise my hands and worship you, and then we, we defy that, Lord. I worship you in spirit and truth, but we're spending our time mental holiday off to what we have going on tomorrow. Lord, help us to have the joy back like Paul and Silas, in the worst moment, to be able to sing praises to you. Not just in the church service, but let it be a walk of life. Let it be a way of life in our walk with you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.